Hello, everybody. Welcome to the 11th installment of our Startups of NRF series. Today, Natasha Malihalo, VP Business Development of Popcom, joins me to talk about the robotic storefront platform Popcon has developed. They call it the Pop Shop Digital Pop-Up Shop. Give her our interview a listen and let us know what you think. Hi, Natasha. Welcome to the show. Hey, Jeff. So nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Now you tell me about tell me about yourself and your company. What do you what are you guys going to be doing there? Yeah, so I lead business development for Popcom and Popcom. We actually are, I think, working on something incredibly revolutionary for retail. We are actually merging the online e-commerce store with the physical um, brick and mortar store. So essentially, the best characteristics of your online store and a uh, regular physical store. We try to have in our machine. So essentially, it's a vending machine that also allows you to browse products that are online, that are not in the vending machine. So when someone comes up to the machine, you can purchase products. Some You can browse a brand's entire inventory of products. Some products will dispense right away if it's in the machine, and the other products will ship rec- like a regular online order. And we think that this market that we're going after are e-commerce brands that are doing really well online and they want to have a physical in-person store, but they don't want to, obviously it's very expensive to run and operate a brick and mortar store. So they want to take a baby step into having a physical location. And so that's what the pop shop allows you to do. And where, where will your shops be located? So right now we're focused on hotels, convention centers, and airports. So essentially anywhere the traveler is, we want our machine to be because the travelers have much more spending dollars. They often are looking already looking for products, either things that they forgot to bring with them or souvenirs to take home. And so right now we're focused on the traveler as a consumer. So your service is the hardware, the so- obviously the software to run it, and I, fulfillment also? Are you managing the inventory or? Yes, yes. So we're completely white glove. We, if a brand wants to, an online brand wants to have a physical store, physical presence, we take care of everything. So we, we get you into a location that fits your demographic, your customer profile, and we handle all of the inventory and fulfillment. Interesting. So let me ask you my classic pigeonhole question. Where does that solution sit in in, in an IT spend, retailer's IT? Actually, it's probably not retailer. So where do, where do analysts want to put you? So we normally, I think for a retailer, we're probably part of their uh, real estate and expansion strategy. So if there's a uh, demographic, yep. So there's a demographic of customers that they're not reaching, but they would like to reach. So college students, obviously the traveler, and it, it would be too expensive to put a store there. They would reach out to us as a kind of a solution to hit that demographic without building out an entire store. Does a retail's IT shop need to do anything with you or are you literally white glove, 100% turnkey? We're 100% turnkey. Okay, it doesn't hit. So it's not an IT spend piece. It's, mm-hmm. it's more store location. Oh, interesting. Yep. Where are you in the adoption cycle for this technology? They've been around for a while. I've bumped into various iterations of this. Yours is more interesting in a lot of regards. So where are you in adoption, do you think? Yeah, so we, we're quickly, I think it's 
a lot of people want to see how it's used and the, so I guess we're really early in the adoption. So we do have four machines out right now. One is in a hotel, three are actually in malls. And the reason for that is because we, this new strategy is actually new as of the beginning of this year, but prior to this, we were focused on the malls and just like any other vending machine that's selling non-food, non-drink products, you look at the mall. But what we found was that the malls, you're, when you put the vending machine in the malls, you're competing with the actual stores. And oftentimes customers come to the mall because they already intend on going to a certain store. And so it becomes very hard for the brands to stand out. Whereas if you're going to a hotel or to the convention center, it's easier for you to stand out because you're not competing with other retailers. So I would say we're still in the early part of adoption in that brands are still trying to figure out what we're best used for. I'm sure there's, we're going to find that there's certain types of products that sell really well in the pop shop and certain products that just are not a good fit. So you're going to be at NRF. What's your story there? What are you, what are you telling the world at, at NRF? Yeah, so we're introducing the Pop Shop Local program. Pop Shop Local essentially is we want to be like what the Red Box was to the world a couple years ago, but for the traveler. So everywhere you go, you'll see a Pop Shop Local machine and you'll know that in that machine, there are great local brands. So all of our machines, whatever city that they're in, they will feature brands that are made in that city. And that's the story we're telling. We're, we're going to have a pop shop local machine at NRF. We want people to start to recognize this, that as they travel, when they see a machine, they can say, oh, I wonder what local entrepreneurs or local products they're selling in that machine. Very interesting. What do you, what do you see 2022 looking like for the retail industry? I mean, that's everyone's speculating. We're obviously, I thought we'd be through COVID. We appear not to be. So what do you think, what are you expecting it to shape up as? Yeah, you know, just given the amount of interest that we've received, I really think that we're going to start seeing micro markets a lot, like just smaller. We're going to see a lot of autonomous technology. I think we're going to see some innovation between like the merging of kind of what we're doing actually, I think about it, the merging of like online and in-person. So maybe more lockers, lock boxes in areas that are highly concentrated like residential. So normally you're not going to see, I don't think we're going to see any like new stores, but I think we're going to see much more easy, start, start to see the implementation of easier ways of getting products. Because I think that the, the big retailers are starting to realize that it's just way too expensive to continue to operate all of these stores and they're going to try to figure out ways to reach the consumer faster. The revenue that you generate for a brand, is that considered e-commerce then? Or is that physical store revenue? Or have you, have you gotten into that yet? We haven't gotten into that yet because we actually have not rolled out the e-commerce part of it. So right now it's just the physical part of it. And we'll, we plan on rolling out the e-commerce part of it in 2022. But if I, if I bought uh, whatever product ABC in your machine, would that be considered uh, uh, retail revenue or would that be e-commerce revenue? That is a great question. I, I want to say e-commerce because it is completely online. Our machine is essentially like a website in physical form. So it is considered you're buying from an online source and not necessarily a physical source. 
See, these are all the questions all the analysts like to drill down on, which drives all the startups crazy when we try, we yeah. try to, you know, but we got to understand this. If you're super successful and you're you're selling half a billion dollars worth of merchandise, is that does that pop to e-com or is that pop to physical store revenue? No one cares about it except the analyst world, but it's all good. Hey, for all the uh, college students that are listening out there that uh, we have a bunch that are interested in um, in the startup world, what advice could you give to these young budding entrepreneurs? You've been in this game now for a few years. What would you tell them? So the biggest one, as the biggest killer of startups are, is cash, like running out of money. I found that being scrappy, and I, I continue to be scrappy now, even though I'm no longer, I, I wouldn't, I Thankfully, I'm out of that stage, but I would say conserve your cash. Try, you know, not to spend money on anything you don't need to. Most services, they give services away for free for startups. Reach out to people. If there's a software that you want to use, but it's pricey, reach out to the company and see if they have a startup discount. They normally do. And so really try to conserve your cash and not just throw money at things. Also, I would say I'm a market researcher, so I would definitely say do your market research because a lot of times startups just start building things that they think are interesting and cool, but it's not necessarily what customers are willing to pay for. So do your market research and make sure this is something that a customer would pay for. Giving away things for free is nice, but if they're not willing to pay for it, then you're not going to have a business model. Yeah, free goes so far. <laughs> right. So <Exactly. laughs> it's it's not a long term strategy. What <laughs> skills are you using now that you wish you would have paid more attention to in college? I I have a list about a mile long. I'm curious what you're thinking are what your thinking is. Oh, skill that I'm using now. I would say the skill that I'm think I listed the skill that I'm use using more now that I'm very thankful for is just writing, to be honest. So I worked in a law firm. I was actually on the fast pass to become an IP attorney and I was a patent secretary. And so I wrote a lot of emails on behalf of a managing partner. And I remember I made a mistake. Instead of saying kind regard, kind regards, I said kindest regards. And the attorney was so upset at me. Literally, he like lectured me for an hour about how stupid that looks. And the and he like my, he just microanalyzed all of my emails, but it taught. I never sent a, a bad email after that, in my opinion. Like after that, I my emails are very like thoughtfully, articulately written. And so I would say that skill set has continued on with me and has helped me tremendously as an entrepreneur. And now, of course, in business development, um, just writing emails to customers, to venues, to partners. I would say. Just being very mindful. And and now I'm like the police, like the grammar police and like the punctuation police. So anytime I see someone on my team send out an email that's missing punctuation, I'm immediately like, hey, did you notice this? But I do think the attorney had told me, he said, if you can't send out a proper email, what makes you think we can, the client's going to think we can't do our job for not even sending out. We're not even double checking our emails or whatever he said, but it really stuck with me. So I would say just being able to write succinctly and articulate your thoughts. I've asked that question now about 35 times to VC startups and whatnot. And literally what the number one response is to that question. No, what's the question? Writing. 
Exactly what you said, 100%. Really? It's not even close. It's it, literally everyone I've asked, it's the exact same thing. And it's, you're more definitive in, in your explanations. <laughs> Some of the VCs are just like, yeah, it's unbelievable. It's how poorly. The, I'm not talking about an ongoing relationship. I'm talking about the first point of contact, the first email being sent in, and it's sloppy, and it's not accurate, and it's just like somebody dashed it out. Because most likely, they probably did dash it out, along with one of 500 other emails, which means... I'm not important as the VC. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. It's not even close. That's it's literally not even a hundred percent, one hundred percent. It's writing. That is interesting. Oh, very good. So, oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, and that's the feedback <laughs> when I'm talking to the kids at, at the center. It's I, I know everyone hates writing, and I do too. And I'm a terrible writer. And boy, that was a big mistake. So, figure out that writing thing early and often. It's gonna it's gonna be fantastic. Natasha, thanks for all the time today. How would people get in touch with you? Which what booth are you at? Yeah. So we're at. We are at booth 67 in the startup zone and feel free to find me there or you could email me at natasiapopcom.shop. Fantastic. Thanks for the, t- the, the, the time today. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jeff. I hope you have a re- good rest of your day. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. For more info, refer to the pod notes below. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider giving us a five-star rating and review. It really helps us grow. I'm your host, Jeff Roster, analyst at large. If you want to connect, follow us on Twitter at JeffPR or at Brian Sathanation, or connect with us on LinkedIn. Visit my website at roster.retail.com or brians at iterate.ai. Until next time, stay safe and have a great week.